welcome everyone and um, happy to have uh, this special announcement where we have uh, Dr. Martin Hispook from Uphold Exchange as a special guest. Um, Martin works as head of research at Uphold and uh, is joining us today on his personal account. Um, so nothing stated in this episode can be seen as official uh, announcement and it is Martin his own view uh, and personal opinion. Um, still, we think it's very interesting to have him on as he is head of research, meaning he knows a lot about uh, uh, researching crypto projects and um, the crypto space in general. Um, Martin, can you briefly introduce yourself uh, further than I did and tell us what you actually do at Uphold? Well, thank you for doing my legal disclaimer for me. <laughs> Very welcome. <laughs> uh, I do have a history of talking too honestly about what I think. But yes, no, no, no worries. There's nothing to announce here, nothing to hide here. There's obviously interest from Uphold side to list. Um, what is it? EWT you're talking about, right? But yes. That will be for a different committee to announce at a different date. <laughs> there is actually, maybe maybe that's the thing that people don't know, there is actually a Chinese wall inside a crypto company like Uphold. So we, I am the head of research. My team discovers and brings in new projects, but I have really no influence over the listing process. So just like in a bank, in a traditional financial institution, there are Chinese walls, as they are called, to separate, for example, the, the stockbrokers from the analysts and whatever. Mm -hmm. We do that too. And because as a platform, we're not an exchange, so we don't have our own order books which means okay. we, we rely on other trading venues. We have access to over 30 trading venues, some of them decentralized exchanges, mm -hmm. like Uniswap and OneInch and stuff. Uh, so we execute wherever where we can find the best price. And that means that we are not... Um, where was I going with this? So, <laughs> so it means that listing, whatever we list, isn't a matter of, for example, a Qcoin or where you pay the exchange to get listed mm -hmm. and then you're dead. We're completely different. So nobody pays us to list any token. Nobody pays ah, me great. or the company or anything. Um, so we go out to the company and say, we want you on this platform um, because we have a reputation for listing real world utility assets, uh, you know, not jumping in with the latest craze all the time you have to i mean there's different clients here we just we just listed yeah. some blanco bonk or whatever token <laughs> that i have you know these, these things happen outside my department mm -hmm. but they, they bring in the trading revenue that allows us to to list a lot of tokens that don't really trade that much but so yes we have an image to protect and th this is why we are we are so uh, careful with what we list uh, we're really going after the, the project, the people behind it, what, what exactly it is they're doing, what messaging they put out on social media, mm -hmm. um, how they behave as, as human beings. I mean, the, the biggest misconception of crypto is that blockchain is somehow doing away with trust, right? We, we have blockchain, so we don't need to trust mm -hmm. it. It's the biggest bullshit ever. Um, <laughs> Because you always have to trust someone, right? You have to trust the people who make the blockchain, the ones who maintain it, the ones who validate it. You have to mm -hmm. trust the, the DAO, the code, the whatever. So, um, yeah. But uh, Uphold is actually so you, you mentioned that you don't hold assets, so you don't. You're not a trading platform in itself. Then um, I see Uphold is different um, in, in in a lot of regards. Uh, it's also how it's promoted. Um, are you a little bit like a broker, uh, then could you describe we're, it as such? Or? If, if we didn't have the American regulatory uh, nomenclature problem, we would mm -hmm. just be called a prime broker, correct? All right. Is it uh, comparable in some way or another to, to eToro and Robinhood then? Because they also have traditional bit. roots. Yeah? A, li a little bit, yeah. It's a little bit comparable, comparable especially to eToro, yeah. Mm. Okay, interesting. And um, 
how do, how does your exchange then differentiate itself from other crypto exchanges in the market? I mean, you you mentioned it has a unique proposition, value proposition, or a new, unique way of working. Um, what is it that actually differentiates Uphold then from others? I'm I'm just a little bit curious because I have personally not worked with Uphold before, um, but I am interested to hear more about it. Yeah, we we were founded in 2013 um, on the principle that you can never succeed in a new financial market without transparency. So from day one, you could go to the Uphold website and, and check our assets and liabilities. You, you can still do this. You go to uphold.com slash transparency and you will find exactly how much customer assets we hold in the bank. Mm -hmm. That is updated every six seconds, I think. Nobody does that. Yeah. No financial institution in the world does that. Right, that is an audited record of our banks, and we don't do anything with your money. If you buy something on Uphold and you give us your your euros or your dollars, we put them in the bank. We don't do anything. We don't loan them out. We don't have any access to them. Um, as I was saying with the listing committee, the actual decision of what we list and not isn't even done by management. The listing committee okay. respond. The listing committee is ultimately uh, reports to the board of the company, not the management of the company. So even we, we are so transparent and so well regulated that it, it's, it would be so impossible for anyone at Uphold to, to trade, for example, on infa, insider information because it's just not there. <laughs> um, there is no connection between the different departments and that is by design. So what the listing committee ultimately says or does is entirely not up to me. I'm not until um, so their their ultimate deliberations about whether to list something or not, I I am not even allowed in that conference. So, and there's <laughs> okay. a good reason for that. We're trying to find the red flags. We're trying to weed out the problematic ones and make sure that nobody, who I mean, I could just have a million, a million whatever tokens and then push for a listing, right? Um, mm -hmm. That that's not possible. Okay, that's good so to yes, hear. We were founded on the idea of transparency, and. And acting not upon threats or or, or or guesswork, but about actual facts. And this is why we never, for example, delisted XRP in the States, which made us famous in America. We never received a letter not to do it. And we asked back then the SEC, and the SEC says, what the fuck, I don't care, do what you want. And so we <laughs> didn't see a reason to delist it just because we were afraid of the big black wolf. Okay, good. Right. Yeah, great. And you know, there's just one disaster after another in crypto. This is not smooth sailing. And the mm -hmm. people who, who, who run Uphold, my colleagues in, in senior management, we've all had very nice careers, thank you very much, in traditional finance for Bank of England, for the Royal Treasury. I was a diplomat for 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, some of my colleagues ran banks and multinational companies, and they all somehow around the age of 50 said, the fuck, I'm so bored with my life. I'm going to start working for a crypto startup. And this is the spirit of Uphold is so not your average crypto bros company, right? That That's what makes us very, very different. Um, also, that's what makes you unique. Yeah, and we, we do, we did buy with Foresight a broker dealer in America, uh, a company with over 30 years history that, that has an ATS and has a broker dealer license in the States. And we bought them and they're now called Uphold Securities. And that's where most of my work is. So we, we advise around 250 corporate clients. By that, I mean pension funds, hedge funds, family offices, um, private money, private, tr uh, private uh, trusts and what is the other one called? Pen no, no, no pension funds. I've got. So these these big fund managers are our clients, and we advise them how to get into crypto. Because until last year, the only so-called institutional play we talked about was Bitcoin trading, right? Mm -hmm. So when we when uh, about a year ago, until a year ago, when we said institutional adoption, what we meant was Michael Saylor buying Bitcoin and and <laughs> and some other Wall Street guys buying some Bitcoin. That yeah, has yeah. completely changed in the last year, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. yeah. 
I mean, every, every, everything has, has changed in, in, in this one year, and not everything for the worst. I think we're, we're better off. People have a clearer understanding of what went wrong and who was at fault. Mm-hmm. So it can only yeah, be a lot, a lot has changed in that regard, yeah. I personally like it. I've, I see that, you know, in the past, a lot of uh, trading was denominated in Bitcoin compared to altcoins, right? And nowadays, people use USDC or USDT or other uh, stable coins to trade against. And um, you see a mind shift already there. First, it was meant to collect more subs, more, um, you know, get more Bitcoin with trading. And now you see that more, it's, it's become more open and people trade against uh, stable coins as well. Um, you see institutions uh, buying Bitcoin to hold in their portfolio. Uh, you see institutions uh, stepping into into developing things on um, on blockchain, and that is actually the real adoption that I personally see coming and, and like to and very welcome uh, in in the space. To be honest, um, correct. Yeah, this initial crazy hype phase is over when everybody thought, okay. Blockchain is the greatest invention ever. It's going to solve all our problems. That initial hype phase is over now. Now it's time to build them. Now it's, now it's time to really build something. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So before the next question, I just want to say that I'm very glad that uh, you are with us for this session. And we talk uh, with you a little bit before this. And as listeners also noticed that Martin is very direct and fun person so <laughs> i'm just excited <laughs> excited to discuss crypto blockchain and more specifically the energy web token and the utility tokens so i just want to ask you that you are responsible for research and listings on uphold and how do you conduct your listing research i also remember that you tweeted about the energy web token and said it was one of the easiest background checks for a token for yourself it is uh, um we get a lot of stuff that we really don't want to list because they're it's like meme coins or associated with another popular token and we don't really how and why. But we also know that everybody else is going to list them. So legally, they are no problem to list. Then the question is, do we want to give up that tiny piece of revenue that would be so easy for us as a company? And there's really no way of justifying this towards the board saying we're not going to list some meme coin because we don't like it. We're too good for that. So it's a balancing act. But what I'm looking for, I have basically only one yardstick. And and that is, will this be around in seven years from now? That is something my first ever corporate client at Uphold asked me. Um, it's one of the biggest hedge funds in the world. And I was at their, at their uh, Fifth Avenue office on the 50th floor of the interest next to the Rockefeller, so overlooking Central Park. <laughs> and uh, I just I just talked to the, these people, just they sweat money, right? You're afraid to walk on the carpet to the office. It's the carpet <laughs> is so deep and quiet when you walk up to the boss's <laughs> office, like, you're, you're sort of disappearing into an ocean of fluffiness. <laughs> and so, the, and, and I talked about what we do, what it is that our research department does and what we are planning to offer for institutions. And he just sat there and, and it was very quiet for a while. And then he said, well, it's either I trust you or I don't. And if I trust you, just give me stuff that will be around and, and make me money in seven years. And I, and I said, don't mind me asking, but why seven years? Is that, it could be like three years, 10 years, why seven years? And he said, yes, that's our thing. That, that's our company <laughs> policy. It's always seven years. Our horizon is seven years. Wow, said, interesting. Why seven years? <laughs> Somebody came up with seven years. Jeffrey, do you know who came up with the number seven? I, said, I don't know. Who came up with the number seven? <laughs> and it was this guy. <laughs> and it turns out ten is too long. And, and five, five is, is short. <laughs> so whatever, that was the reason. So I, I actually, that was the first time I then sat down and looked at the, these things that I think are good, like quantum avalanche and, and all these tokens that I know what they do exactly, technically, mm-hmm. where I know the ecosystem, where I know the functionality. And I sit there and ask myself, will this be around in seven years? And that's a damn hard question to ask, to answer. Because the one thing that crypto projects never do, have never done, is 
do what every every startup, every company should do is look at your competitors, look at your competitive landscapes. Crypto mm-hmm. crypto founders are so damn stupid when it comes to <laughs> running a business. You know, I got people said I have this wonderful new project. Uh, did you want to be an early investor? I'm going to give you some extra token. You can become an early investor. What is it you do? Well, we're doing we're doing NFTs. Well, so yeah. No, on Algorand. We're doing NFTs on Algorand. <laughs> Your business plan is copying somebody else's shit and putting it on somebody else's shit. Yeah, glad that energy web is different. But but you know, it goes. This is a ridiculous example that did really happen when somebody was really excited that they had invented NFTs on Algorand. <laughs> but it goes deep. This goes deep. So look at all the L1s and L2s in Ethereum. Their mm-hmm. business model is basically let's fix somebody else's shit product and turn this into our business model. That, that's what an L1 and L2 is, right? Yeah, yeah. So Ethereum doesn't live up. It's shit. So let's build a business around it not being shit. That's our business model. How is it? If you are on Shark Tank, you know, you're going to get thrown out for this. What do you call it? Dragon's Den in the UK. You're going to get thrown out on day one for coming up with the stupidest business model ever. I think and a lot of people in the crypto space are ideological, right? A lot of people, um, they, they have an ideology. They think everything should be open source, should be, should be able to be built upon. And that is, I mean, I, I, I stand behind that ide- ideology as well, personally. But if you look at business models, then uh, not, I, agree, I have to agree with you that a lot of these business models are not making any sense. So, I mean, I can't disagree there, but I do see uh, why people want, want change in the current system. And that is, that is something I personally value. Um, but I'm not sure how you see that. Oh, yes, lovely business idea. But the principle, <laughs> the principle business of running a business is not being completely transparent. Right? If as a business, you would be completely transparent like a blockchain, you would have absolutely no competitive advantage, therefore uh, no extra income to make your workers stay with your company. So mm-hmm. it's either a free-for-all, open-source-for-all, communist idea where we all, uh, I don't know, run around in loincloths and, and, and play the lyra, or a capitalist society, and then Bitcoin doesn't really fit into that. Yeah. It's a, the, the, the whole problem is a philosophical one. If, as a company, I adopt blockchain for my business model, I want to make money, and I want to keep my competitive advantage a secret for as long as I can. Mm-hmm. Because I, my share price goes up. The people around me are happy. I make more money if I have corporate secrets that enhance my corporate competitiveness. Now, blockchain is exactly the opposite of that. I, I don't want open source. I don't want my shit to be seen on chain. I don't want to use a traditionalist public blockchain for my internal stuff. Why do you think SAP built their own SAP HANA blockchain? Why do you think almost all the big database providers, from Oracle to, to everyone, uh, built their own project far away from the hubbub of crypto? Most blockchains that will dominate our industry, our manufacturing, our, our digital ID interactions with the government, will be blockchains purposely built for that and not the ones that are around right now. The world's financial system is never going to run on XRP. Um, well, there's a big difference. There's a big difference, right, between public blockchains and uh, blockchains with a with a crypto token, um, yeah. and also between uh, blockchains that are transparent to the outside yeah. ones that have a privacy uh, layer over them, right? So, um, I mean, I guess I like the comparison that I saw once between the Ethernet and in, and internet, you know, where uh, corporate uh, corporates in the beginning of the days of the internet had their own uh, closed system and at some point in the end they ran on a public system. Um, I do still believe in that for the energy sector, for example, but um, because I do think that in the energy sector running a public and open blockchain, it doesn't have to be completely transparent and, and you know, you can have hidden transactions as well and, and, and a privacy layer over it. But um, I do yeah, think that public is the, is the way to go eventually, but I'm not sure if you agree with me there. In, in whose interest is it? That's the question you have to ask. Are we talking about a project that is in the, in the interest of the general public? Then we have different standards as if this 
were in favor of a specific energy company or make a company more efficient. So it's it's really about who uses it for what end that mm-hmm. defines what what blockchain you're going to use. The, yeah. So, so I think for global carbon trading, we better have one global standard for global carbon trading. Whereas in I don't know the Siemens internal plastic manufacturing whatever blockchain something uh, should be Siemens's internal IP. Mm-hmm. We always have to ask, what is it good for? What does it do? Many generic blockchains that were born after Ethereum just to be not Ethereum. Right? They have no, they have no use cases. They have no reason to be. And that's the phase we're entering now. We we need to define clear use cases. That's uh, why Casper is going after en- enterprise resource management. That's why there's in a project like the Energy Web. So this is really the exciting part of blockchain story yeah the the, the energy yeah. web is is launching their new relay chain on polkadot and they had yeah. they had this new rules or no it was like a, a country could, could set their own rules and regulations for their own parachain on on energy web so i think energy yeah. web is 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 good here uh on the part of making everything for for separate uh, standards for separate companies or separate uh, countries this is what uh, the relay chain on energy web will will solve yeah it solves the problem yeah. yeah question is why do i need a polkadot relay chain why do i not use it avalanche subnet and while we're at it why not replace the whole thing with a state channel uh, this, there, there this are so many different approaches that will lead us to different types of solutions yeah right mm-hmm. this, this is what i'm saying it, it'll be so interesting yeah, yep. uh, the the CEO of Energy Web even mentioned this on their last MAA. Uh, he said we will we will build an, an Energy Web that is powered by the Energy Web token, but it can run anywhere, even on uh, on Avalanche, even on Solana. The application they can build it on Solana, but they will uh, utilize the the utility of the the Energy Web from from different chains. So this is exactly what. Energy web is trying to build here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I think it's a fantastic project. Um, we are entering the phase where interoperability between chains becomes interesting. Yeah. Right? we have no good interoperability solution available now, uh, because when most chains in their little silos talk about interoperability, they talk about bridge from A to B. So the, the blockchain is really working with each other smoothly and legally and compliantly is a big issue. Right? As soon as you get to interoperability between proprietary blockchain networks, you're opening a whole, can, whole new legal can of worms. Um, let us say I was involved in a project with the University Hospital in Vienna and it has to do with patient records and the idea of privacy between patients. And at one point, the patient records had to be seen by the legal department. And we include, for, for, I forgot what it was exactly, where the legal people had to just tick a box somewhere. And yeah, when we exactly. got to that, when we got to that, people suddenly realized we would need an interface from the hospital blockchain with the patient records to an outside legal data system that, as we found out after after months and weeks, was legally not allowed to have an interface to anybody else. So you, you uh, data structures and data processing is so complex in our world. And now we are arriving here with blockchain and saying, hey, it's going to solve, forget what you're doing now, just come over to blockchain. Everything will be better in blockchain. And it's not, you know? Yeah. You don't yeah, need agree. blockchain for everything. But it can be blockchain or decentralized solutions. It, decentralization doesn't come from blockchain only. There's some Correct. other ways yes, to... Well said, yeah. well said. Well and said. We, we know that Energy Web is trying to build something like that with uh, the, like uh, apps, decentralized apps, but not on blockchain. So right on this point, Martin, I want to ask that 
how does Uphold work with regulators to ensure compliance with laws and regulations while still allowing for innovation and growth in the crypto industry? How do we work with how do we work with who? Re regulators. Oh, like the regulators. SEC. Thought, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. We don't. We hate them. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> we actually have a very good relationship with them. Amazingly enough, we, we do have a very good relationship with them because there are certain things we've never done, like lending out money. So uh, regulators build risk profiles of companies, and then they talk to these companies based on their actual risk profiles. And Uphold's risk profile, profile is like zero. Like we don't do anything with your money. We don't lend it. We don't have any deals with you. So we're just basically under the radar. And we are a company made up of, as I told you before, people who are very have stellar careers in traditional finance. So there is the old anecdote that we were alleged. I have to say allegedly now before every sentence. <laughs> allegedly, we were applying for the FCA license in the in the UK. And we just wouldn't get it. And they made us spend, I don't know, millions of pounds of getting the license until wow. our new hire as head of risk showed up, uh, went to the meeting and sat there in front of the employees, these government bureaucrats, uh, who happened to have been his former employees when he was uh, vice governor of the Bank of England back in the day. And so we got the license by people saying, hey, sir, here it is. This is on you. The people at Uphold have such stellar careers that sometimes so our, our connections to the regulators are very good. Um, ah, great, great to hear that. But we, but we don't get any better treatment for that because so, the rules are there for everyone to, to what abide about, by. Uh, what they're confused. The, what about the SDG uh, rules? The sustainable uh, energy uh, regulation? Yeah. Or what ESG? Yeah, ESG. <laughs> what steps is uh, ESG? Is, is the... just, oh, come on, it's just whitewashing. Ah, the only that? thing about ESG, this is a corporate reporting system, a corporate self-reporting system. They never work. And the only thing. Yeah, we need we need better approaches on that. I agree with you as a lawyer. The only thing that matters in ESG is the E, emissions, right? Emissions really matter because if you don't get on top of emissions, there's, there's no more SDG left to worry about. Do we have any so problems this, from the, from the uh, regulators? Do we have any problems with them or they don't care? No, he cares about ESG right now. We ah. care about weird utterances by Gary Gendel saying staking is not allowed anymore from tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, There's so much uh, a lack of understanding technically still. Right, you, you, you. I do these presentations sometimes to to companies, and and I try as simply as possible explain what the benefit of a blockchain in this situation were. And you get blank stares and basically people saying, "Oh, our system works. You know, we use barcode scanners. It works. Why would I now switch to a blockchain?" Um, it's technology when it is so new and so has so much potential like 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 blockchain always goes through an initial phase of, of exuberance where people think it's it's the panacea for everything True. i think yeah. it will be important especially if you need to keep records i'm not so convinced that for payments for games and stuff we all we will end up with blockchain environments but for everywhere where you want to keep a record right your your supply chain, your proof of origin of any goods, your dental records, your personal ID, where you need to keep reliable, immutable records stored, decentralized. That's where blockchain really will shine. And that's yeah. why it is important, I think, in the energy sector. And do you, do you think, because we talked a little bit, we said something about ESG, right? Um, you, you, you don't think it matters that much, but what I do wonder about um, what is your take on mainstream media and, and cryptocurrency mining? Do you also think this is this is, uh, this discussion around energy consumption uh, related to Bitcoin mining or mining in general uh, of cryptocurrencies is is that um, what what do you think about that? Is that discussion 
a discussion you see as, as feasible, as, as something that can lead to change or should lead to change or totally not? It's a bit... <laughs> the political discussion over, over proof-of-work mining is just bollocks. This is just the European Greens and and you know this this they don't even understand what they're talking about if you you would need to compare the benefits the co2 emissions benefits from abandoning all fiat operations and replacing them with digital currencies you could see you could save millions millions of tons of co2 emission by i believe by the two yeah. not printing that shit and distributing it into countless atms around the country and it, it don't get me started on coins. Coins are even more wasteful. Um, <laughs> so if you would really compare the carbon mm -hmm. footprint of fiat versus Bitcoin, there's no contest. But uh, no, I agree, and I think it could even be used for good, right? We saw it with uh, flare gas uh, uh, emissions being uh, uh, well being oh, yeah. prevented by using Bitcoin mining and such as well. Yeah, one of one of the most amazing corporate transitions that I'm aware of is a company in Tyrol in Austria mm -hmm. and they make they got bought by General Electric and they make gas turbines that you put on top of a landfill so mm -hmm. a, a landfill produces gases yeah um, sewage gas and landfill gas that pumps that into a generator and turns it into electricity or yeah, awesome. or Bitcoin Right. So, mm -hmm. that's an it's just the size of a shipping container and you put it on top of your landfill and now comes bitcoin it's, it's amazing yeah i agree um so, so yeah let's also let, talk a little bit about energy web uh, uh because that's also what we what we do this uh, space for so I, I wonder why um what drew you to energy web for example in particular because i hear you are critical about uh, blockchain projects and the need for them uh, what is it that you found interesting about Energy Web? And because we've seen you engage with Energy Web community uh, quite a few times in in the past uh, month or so, I think. Um, what led you to to uh, to Energy Web and to find that as an interesting solution? Because you know, is it just for yeah, is it just personal interest in the energy sector or something else that drew you to it? Um, I've been in contact with the Energy Web people on and off for for years. Um, there's someone who used to work for the IOTA Foundation and Industrial a Blockchain Initiative that was very aware of that. I've also worked as a consultant with uh, Mercedes-Benz mm -hmm. who okay. have their own mobility blockchain projects. And so I've, I've been in this, especially German industrial blockchain space for, for quite a while. Mm -hmm. um, I, I got started with blockchain in 2011. I gave my first presentation called Blockchain is the greatest invention, the most disruptive invention since the internet. You can still Google it. And that, that article made me famous. And I, I, I traveled around Asia at this point and tell presentations about what blockchain does. And that was all not about money. That was all about um, supply chain, insurance, the energy sector, solar, all, all these kinds of mostly industrial applications. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've been involved in this for a long time. I, I wasn't aware of the actual token um, and the actual project until last year. And and we were, we've been in contact for over a year with them. Uh, what what do you think uh, differs the energy web token from the other tokens you've seen in the crypto space? Well, first of all, I like stuff that has a focus. Now, you talk to most other general blockchains, they have nothing to talk about, right? <laughs> they compare, it's, it's like a pissing contest. My TPS is faster than yours. My blockchain can handle more transactions than yours. Uh, not really interested in that. I'm interested in where blockchain actually makes sense to be used, and the energy sector is one of the most interesting ones. Uh, what? What, uh, in your opinion, what makes sense most uh, from the energy web, or what uh, you found something uh, for you Unique. that you you thought, okay, this uh, this is it that could could make it big on the energy. Um, the, the very very simple, without getting into details. The very very simple is that 
an efficient, I, I was part of the first ever blockchain energy grid project in Boston in 2016. And I came back with the, with the absolute conviction that whatever we do in energy markets or, or simple or similar distributive markets has to work well with blockchain um, and decentralized systems. So the idea here comes from the fact that the best energy system is a decentralized system. The most resilient energy system is not centralized with one power plant and a million users. When the power plant explodes, a million users have no power. Um, a decentralized, fully decentralized, redundant um, electrical grid has many, many sources of power that reach many, many different consumers in many, many different ways. Yeah, right. Like a, so a more flexible. Yeah. yeah, that makes it more resilient. So decentralization in the energy grid is the most one of the most obvious things. Um, now, the, the balancing act here is that the more decentralized the system is, the more power hungry it becomes. Um, this is one of the most overlooked problems in, in blockchain. Um, if you have a central, think about it as, as a house, right? If you were to install an air conditioning system for the entire house, centrally operated, controlled by one single computer that draws power at, at uh, low demand periods and returns power at high demand, centralized, centrally governed, that would be a very efficient system, right? But it would be very centralized and very vulnerable to attack. Yeah. If you turn that into separate air conditioning system for every unit in the building, everyone being able to decide their own temperature and all of them working separately from each other, being nearly connected by data streams that are responsible for reporting but not the actual output, i.e. a point of a proof of stake decentralized networking system, you need more energy. It's more complicated you need more people who are familiar with how to run an air conditioner. You need more air conditioner repairmen to come and fix more air conditioners and more parts of this decentralized system. And the same is true with blockchain. It's all very nice to go about and say, yeah, we want decentralization, we just as many nodes as possible. The more nodes you have, the more expensive it becomes. Many, many crypto projects have gone under because their founders underestimated how expensive it is to run a fucking blockchain. Yeah. yeah. One of, one of my and sometimes it's not useful. It's absolutely not useful. Many of the things that are being taunted as technological solutions are band-aids. Um, and we can do a lot better in, in a lot better in, in blockchain technology than with what we have now. Uh, we have seen recently a lot of adoption on the energy web. Uh, the the technology of energy web and the toolkit of energy web for example we just saw recently the uh, the mention or like integration of energy web onto the partners of the global battery alliance uh, a web uh, world economic forum initiative and they, are, they 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 mentioned that they will use a, a blockchain technology to to uh, to digital passports for yeah. vehicles Digital uh, digital passports, uh, but besides that, besides that, we we even ha had country level uh, adoption. For example, uh, two years ago, we had uh, Germany, the the uh, Federal Energy uh, uh, Agency of Germany said they will run uh, their their digital IDs on Energy Web. Or yeah, this we had Australia, and then we yeah. had uh, BlackRock last year or not last year? Yeah, last year, 2022 mention of, of energy web do you think this this uh, vast adoption of the energy web will help also the the crypto sphere or or what do you think about this can i say something already yeah, sure. uh, <laughs> talk about the adoption and uh, i also know that energy web is also defined, they didn't define themselves as a blockchain company or crypto company. Uh, they are actually operate decentralized operating system, and blockchain is a component for them. So, uh, I think Energy Web are 
energy web's approach is kind of similar with, similar with what you talk before Marco. It's not just only blockchain or nodes or TPS. It's about the utility all about. It's about to making things easier and hmm. faster Correct. and safer. Absolutely. It's not about the token or blockchain. Correct. The realization that it doesn't have to be blockchain. Very, very correct. Blockchain is not the best solution for many of the things we have. But it also hmm. sometimes it's best. It sometimes it's best, but sometimes it's not. So they are trying to combine the things uh, to create a decentralized operating system. One one part of energy web is that really interests me is, is for example the exchange. <coughs> Excuse me, the data exchange. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because grids and systems really really work very very differently. Um, I remember from my first ever supply chain project that I did with the University of Hong Kong, and we. We, we got as far as making a list of the touch points that we would have to deal with if we were to switch to blockchain-based supply chain management. And it was like 260 touch points in one single shipment transaction. So it's not that you can't replace an existing system with a blockchain-based system. It's about all the legacy systems that you have to connect to. You know? <laughs> at the beginning of That's the internet, at the, at the beginning of the internet, um, internets connected to existing proprietary networks. That was their main task. Um, the internet, as we know it now, as a single plane free for all interconnectivity, didn't exist until much later. So in the in the nineties, it was all America Online and all these dial-in services that you had. Mm -hmm. um, and they were connected with the open internet. This was the innovation of TCPIP. Now, do you think about TCPIP when you go to Pornhub and and, and watch a video? No, you don't <laughs> think about TCPIP, right? And the same is true for blockchain. I do not <laughs> care. When, when I'm at Aldi's and buy for my New Zealand Kiwis, I don't give a fuck if I'm paying with my credit card in Dogecoin or when, I, when I'm paying actual euros. So... Blockchain is a technological change that is unstoppable, but it has absolutely nothing to do with crypto and the crypto crazy people and this circus of ICOs and 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 price manipulation that we are seeing in crypto. Mm -hmm. um, these are two uh, different stories. These are two different things. I do. But I I agree fully that these are two different things. But um, if you look at blockchain technology and if you look at crypto projects um, which use blockchain technology, so with an own token, so to say. Um, my personal belief, but that is maybe just me, um, is that, you know, if you want to have a decentralized system running without um, centralized actors being responsible, making the decisions, you need to have some sort of incentive model and some sort of punishing model, so to say, um, in order to, to have people actively participate. You know, there needs to be some money to be made in order to participate. Um, at least that's mostly for most people the incentive. Um, so I can imagine that a blockchain-based system um, works in itself in a closed environment. But if you want to have a decentralized system that runs itself, so to say, you need to have some sort of incentive. So I do see a value for tokens there. Um, is that something that you agree with or something that you feel like is, um, you know, is all not needed need at all as well? No, no, absolutely. Uh, all we need to do is get rid of our traditional definitions of what a financial instrument is. It mm -hmm. is simply not on to do what the SEC is trying to do, to fit square pegs into round holes. Um, we, we're talking about the 1933 Securities Act. That's yeah, fucking insane, isn't it? Years ago, right? We've been trying to work with a law that was made in 1933 for the last 100 years. And it's a dumb law because it has only one yardstick. And um, <laughs> if, if, yeah. a, if a blockchain is sustained and the network is made stronger and better and faster with participation of decentralized actors, 
and these actors receive a reward mm-hmm. in turn for their work, the time and the computing power that they offer to the network. That, Mr. Gensler, is not the definition of a security. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? You, you're not buying a fucking token in expectation of appreciation. You are <laughs> giving up your electricity and your coding power and 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 your fucking Wi-Fi from in the middle of the boondocks to participate in the network and expect a little bit of compensation for exactly offering your computing power. In which universe is that a security? Yeah, of course, so it's not. That's that's just not on. So this attack on staking that he's doing here is, I don't know. <coughs> no, but I, I that. fully agree with that. Um, one 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 question, another thing that I had in mind. Um, you know, I've I've been watching Energy Web for a few years now, and I, I've seen, for example, that uh, the UK-based company Zumo, uh, they have a, they have a payment solution and some other stuff. But anyway, these guys that work. Um, they're not an exchange really, but they do offer cryptocurrency trading. Um, and these guys, they, they have to comply with regulation as well. The UK is opening up to crypto. And uh, what they are doing is they are integrating um, Energy Web's um, green proof solution um, where they say, okay, you know, we want to be able to, to show customers what the energy usage is of the cryptos that, they bu- that they're buying and to be, able, to be able to offset that. So they integrate some sort of uh, solution to to monitor the energy usage of your trading and to offset that. Um, is that something that you can see Uphold do? Is that totally not relevant for Uphold's business? Um, I, I was wondering about that because, you know, um, I feel like some crypto exchanges are doing do- that and others are not, um, which is logical. But um, with the eye on regulation and on the second, what they're doing as well, um with securities uh do you f- see it possible even to integrate uh some sort of solution blockchain based uh like that yes of, of course of course the possibility for a solution um what is it good for who does it benefit well it, it clearly benefits the, the ones building it or utilizing it and the ones um selling it so to say um as long as it ends up, but that's my personal opinion again, as long as it ends up with um, environmental impact impact projects are doing good in some way or another, but eventually mm. uh, it ends up somewhere, of course, yes. Uh, we'll have to look into it. We we do have a department that, that looks after this. Maybe, I've never thought of that. I'll have a look. I'll, I can send you the link to Zoom or what they're, what they're doing. I've, I've personally found it a very interesting use case. I saw another English company, I believe, doing the same similar thing at least um it's, it's some sort of green proof solution for for the transactions and um customers can choose to pay a premium more or less to to offset that i think climate down some other projects are doing similar things okay. as well but on a different level um uh, but this one is more inherent in, in the trading and the energy users but anyway that is that is just something i was wondering about um i think neo has, okay. has a, another question as well by the way and um uh, we're nearing uh, an hour already, so I don't want to take too much yeah. of your time also. Yeah, I just want to talk about the Utility Tokens. I know that you like the Utility Tokens from your tweets. And could the next breakthrough in crypto happen on Utility Tokens? What do you think about that? I'm also asking this oh. with uh, considering the possible upcoming regulations. So uh, Utility Tokens, SEC, uh, consider these as a technology and uh, the others yeah. will be they yeah, haven't yet but uh, Polkadot announced that yeah maybe but in the possible upcoming regulations they could decide the utility tokens as a technology you described it earlier uh, in the session yeah. like uh, insensitive and staking yeah. so what's your take well, on the one, utility tokens? one outcome one potential outcome that I wouldn't like, that nobody would like to see, but it's very, very likely, is that we're ultimately forced to separate the equities function of the asset from the utility function, um, which many, many projects know will happen anyway. 
which means my blockchain project is going to go list at a stock exchange, whereas my blockchain token is going to be the utility token. You're going to have, let's say, Avalanche listed on the New York Stock Exchange, and that will be a security, the company Avalanche, but the token AVAX will be have a different functionality. That is one possible outcome of this whole discussion because right now we are conflating even in utility tokens we are conflating profitability profit expectation security functionality with network functionality and as long as we don't define what is what um, and the recent meetings between european union and, and washington about crypto go in this direction to find a, glo a global nomenclature, a global standard of what is actually what. But that's a very, very likely outcome. Uh, as will utility tokens drive the new bull run? Well, good luck with that. I don't see that happening. Um, I, I, I wish it were, but you know, keep dreaming. The biggest <laughs> news of the, last, of the last month was Bitcoin getting fucking NFTs jpeg wizard now as ordinal encryptant in bitcoin yeah that's the and the price of fucking blur nft marketplace ah, and yeah. how it's better than opacity so did, no no utility tokens will not make the next bull run the same meme and shit coins and manip manipulated nonsense will make the next bull run and the uh, next you make me sad <laughs> you make me see. sad stop it <laughs> <laughs> Three new Solanas that they can manipulate up to three hundred dollars before they dump everything again. Okay. But you talk you talk them. about the <laughs> institutions like they ask you seven years. They wanted the crypto projects will be here for seven years. So and maybe these tokens can get some attraction from the institutions. I don't know. I'm just uh, hoping. Yeah, it's difficult to make a case for a completely new asset class in an industry that already has too many asset classes, right? So mm -hmm. Wall Street is already very, very well developed, right? There are a gazillion different ways. There are trillions of dollars stuck in derivatives. It is a very complicated, intri int uh, intricate interplay of different actors. That is our financial world. And we are now trying to upset this with the technology that very, very few people understand. Um, to this day, ask ask any second guy on this call what exactly a hash means. And <laughs> people will have no idea what hashing actually means, philosophically speaking, or what a roll-up is. And then mm -hmm. they get all excited about the next layer too. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think we have a lot of education to do at the institutions. Will... Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the ones who are adopting first are the financial institutions and they look at crypto with very financial eyes. Right? So this is distorting the space. It's very nice to have energy web token and quant and, and, and Dimitri yeah. others. Oh, and, and yeah, there's lots of very good blockchain tokens that have nothing to do with financial speculation. Mm -hmm. But they're going to be drowned out a bit with... Um, I mean, it, creating... A blockchain project like like Solana and pushing it to two hundred forty dollars and they're getting out of it was a wonderfully smart move for these VC firms in a market that is completely unregulated. So they were able to sell people shit and watch watch the shit go to the moon and then get out and and made and made a fortune. And this will happen again and again and again because we're talking about a technology that people just don't understand yet. And at the same time, we're already, we already having chat GPT. I have to deal with artificial intelligence interfaces. Last week, Google announced they were going to create a quantum computing interface. Mm -hmm. um, quantum computing is the science of probability states. Blockchains are discrete states. Blockchains don't like quantum physics. I don't want my block to be either dead or alive. I want, I want my block to be minted or not minted, right? I, I don't want Schrodinger's <laughs> block in my Bitcoin. So artificial intelligence and quantum computing are going to make blockchain so much more interesting, but also look very, very different than what we are now. Okay, so that, that, is, also, that, is, that is already tying in because um, 
we're getting close to an hour and I believe that we've, we've had all the questions that we personally have then that we could discuss in this, uh, in this session. Let me place it like that. Um, so what, what is your, your outlook for the next five to 10 years? Because we, we talked about it a little bit, of, I think during the interview already, but any final remarks, any final thoughts on uh, where the blockchain space is heading and the crypto space, especially. Just want to add the next uh, five to ten years. Seriously, yeah. five to ten years. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I I don't know what's gonna happen next month. I don't know what's gonna happen next week in this crypto space. Okay, okay, okay. Five to ten years from now. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get some information on what to do. You know, for financial you're advice. You're going to slowly <laughs> see the technology disappear. Mm. Right, you're going to slowly see the technology being integrated into everything and nobody talk about it anymore. You're going to have crypto assets offered by every bank and every park. People will be saving in crypto without even knowing it. You will have financial products at, uh, delivered by banks that include crypto assets without anybody knowing about it. Mm -hmm. That would be uh, great, by the way. Right. Yeah, yeah, we're working with several. We're working with several European banking houses on, for example, baskets of products, a basket of certain crypto products, and then you add in a few tech companies, then you build a thematic basket, and there's great interest in these. Is it it's like a bit like ETFs market. or something like that then, or how should I speed up? It's a bit like a mutual fund, yeah. It's mm -hmm. a bit like a mutual fund. So you, so you could, for example, take one called. Uh, I don't know, energy and supply chain and put in the Suku and the VeChain and, and uh, Morpheus and, and energy. And energy web token. Else you want. Right, right. And then <laughs> yeah, you, you make a basket called, called energy. That is my strategy because I think the mutual funds were hugely successful in the, in the 80s mm -hmm. because people don't like to choose. People, it's the, the tyranny of choice is horrible in stock picking. Anyone who's ever been an investor or been to a supermarket without being a shopping freak, mm -hmm. go to a supermarket. Just go to a supermarket. It's oppressive. The amount of different flavors of yogurt or cream cheese that I'm confronted with every time I go to the supermarket is mind-numbing. It's mind-boggling. Mm -hmm. yeah, I only to buy choose. one type of cream cheese. There are 17 flavors of green cheese. Yeah, <laughs> third right? world that, that, is, that is ridiculous. Yeah, it's an abundance, I know. Yeah. There's far too much choice in this world. Yeah. If you could choose one, one of the energy uh, uh, coins. Oh, I, I hate this. Okay. I hate these posts on Twitter. Like, pick one basket. I randomly put my shit coins in this basket. And randomly put somebody else's shitcoin in that basket, and now please choose one to help me get, get gain more engagement on Twitter. No God. Yeah. No, I would I would have an energy play. I would have in in my own portfolio. I would have mm -hmm. two or three plays on infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Um, I would definitely have um Avalanche and Quant and probably Algorand because basic infrastructure needs. Um, I would definitely have um, a few DeFi tokens. We don't need to talk about these. And I would have things that are unsolved, like the privacy problem. Uh, we have, we don't have proper privacy solutions. Roll up, CK rollers are all crap. Um, so I would put a play like Aleph Zero, a zero in there, mm -hmm. and definitely then stuff around industrial iota industrial web constellation anything where lots of real data sources have to be processed in record time and then supply chain something medical and something energy definitely i would i would make a basket around the things i like um that would be my personal investment basket the, the one that i hold for seven years right? <laughs> things that i have a reasonable Reasonable assumption that it will be around. For, for example, I'm fairly convinced that a blockchain like Casper is going to be around in seven years. I'm not 100% convinced that Ethereum in its current form will still be around in seven years. So I, my thinking about the future of blockchain is quite contrarian in some ways. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I get that. I, I feel like you know um, we've 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 talked now for an hour, and I feel like there's a, there's a few points where I could could talk on for hours uh, about with you as well. Um, but due to the time time that we that we have for this interview, I I, I skipped that sure. a little bit. But I I enjoyed talking to you and your different views on things. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's something sometimes a little bit contrarian as you described it yourself. But uh, in my opinion, also good to uh, uh, to hear those views and to to get to thinking about you know your own personal beliefs as well. Um, so I want to thank you for that. Um, no worries, pleasure. And I think that Thanks, you know that was it from our end at least. Um, we asked you for final remarks. Um, Energy Web, uh, my remark, part of your seven-year portfolio. <laughs> definitely, definitely be part of my portfolio. My okay, good. Great, great. Some good news. That's that's all we wanted to hear. <laughs> no, thank thank you very much for your time on a Friday evening. Um, really no appreciate worries. it. And, um, very welcome i uh, i hope you all enjoyed it thank you for being here also to the public and um, i wish you all a great weekend uh, see you everyone yeah, thank see you, you Martin. Bye -bye. thanks for thanks for joining us see you people all right bye-bye